Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. What's up, sports fans? Zach Mikosh from Denver Stiffs here. Listen, you probably have a spot in town where you like to go and watch sports, and you probably have another spot in town where you go to get good food. Well, I'm here to tell you that for me, those two spots are one and the same. Jake's Sports and Spirits, located at 38th and Walnut Street, is your one-stop shop for great sports viewing and even better food. With their 20 TVs featuring every sports package available, you're never going to miss out on your favorite team. On top of that, Jake's has a wide variety of delicious food, so whether you're looking for the best wings in Denver, a delicious sandwich or burger, or maybe even a lighter thing like a salad, Jake's has you covered. Make sure you come by on the weekends, too, for their great breakfast menu, which is served from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's Jake's Sports and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street. Come on down and make sure to tell them the Stiffs sent you. Baseball pass. He's got Moutier. Recording live from Jake's Sports and Spirits in the historic Rhino District of Denver, Colorado, it's the Pickaxe Podcast, presented by Denver Stiffs. All right, guys, welcome into the Pickaxe Podcast, round two, uh, second episode since we've done the reboot. Um, once again, quick recap. My name is Zach Mikosh. I'm, uh, I'll be hosting at least for this, this episode. It's, uh, it's the new format for the Pickaxe podcast, which basically what we're doing is every week we do a round table with different Denver Stiff staff. So last week we had Dan and Gordon. We were live at Jake Sports and Spirits. Today we are not. We are working, uh, we're working remote because I've got, I've got Nuggets coverage from across the United States. Uh, two, two new writers to the, to the, to the site this, uh, this season. And I got them both with us, the kind of the youth movement of Denver Stiff. So I'll start off, uh, introducing Mr. Ryan Blackburn, who, who drew the ire of coach Mike Malone in probably his first article he ever wrote for the site. So that's what his, his claim to fame. Ryan, how are you doing, man? Hey, good. I'm doing great, Zach. Thank you for having me on, man. It's uh, it's an honor to draw the ire of Mr. Malone. He uh, that was the uh, the top point guards article that you're referring to. It's uh, still going strong with about a hundred views a day. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll uh, see how that goes in the future. No, absolutely, man. I was gonna I was gonna bring that up. It's um, it's probably the most uh, consistent article this season, and and now. Uh, and we'll we'll talk about this later. Uh, 
You're starting to look like a very smart man with what's been going on with Emmanuel Moutier. Uh, as well, joining us is all the way from, from Utah. We got Evan Fiala. Evan, you, as I hear, I hear the rumor, you drew the ire of Kenneth Fareed the very first time uh, you were in the locker room. Is that correct? That is correct, but I also understand it's not very hard to do, so I'm not too proud of it, I guess. <laughs> That's Hey, you know what? No, but here's the um, – I was thinking about this. Like, imagine, imagine if you guys are at school, you know, you're sitting at your desk, or I'm at work, I'm sitting at my desk. And I'm just trying to get something done. I'm just trying to finish up my day. And there's all these reporters standing around and they're getting right. They're standing right in front of where you need to work. Like I can understand. I'd be a little, uh, I would be a little upset as well. So, yeah. well, it's, it's definitely like that time on the, uh, on the, one of the more recent Facebook live videos where you're live casting about Nikola Jokic screaming <laughs> in Nikola Jokic's face while he was trying to shoot warmups. So I can definitely see how that would be an issue. Yeah, you know what? I I keep meeting, and I haven't. That was probably the last. That might have been the last game I was at. Was at that Warriors game um, when when Nicola gave me he gave me the death stare uh, at warmups as we were doing our <laughs> Facebook live video. And I, you know, I you you don't know with Nicola. I'm not sure if he's joking with me or he's serious. I keep next time I see him, I'll have to ask him um, and find out because I don't want to I don't want to mess with his uh, with his routine. But at the same time, there's a lot of people. We get a lot of people from Serbia. Uh, in fact, who watch who watch that feed? So they're big fans of it. All right, guys, we're going to dive into it. Um, there's quite a bit, quite a bit of news again this week for the Nuggets. Obviously, the trade deadline comes through. We we last recorded last Saturday, so the biggest news that's come down since that time, Demarcus Cousins, almost out of nowhere. We're watching the All Star game, right? And then about maybe like what halftime, suddenly Woj starts tweeting out that the the Kings are you know actively pursuing. Cousin trades, and and sometimes you see those rumors, and it takes maybe you know a day or two. Sometimes nothing ever comes to fruition from it. Um, but this happened almost. I mean, within within a few hours, Demarcus Cousins gets traded to the New Orleans Pelicans, and the return package is, I think, what was probably the most shocking of it. The the Pelicans send Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, and then a first and second round pick in the upcoming draft. If I mean, by any measure, any way you want to measure that trade value, uh, you would say that the the Pelicans completely got away with a steal. Ryan, I'll start with you, man. How bad of a deal do you think it was for the Kings, or, or do you think you know maybe it was it was a necessary deal? Well, clearly, it was a good deal since they blew out Denver in their first game. <laughs> that is, that is no. true. They look strong. Well, I mean, it's. It's hard to tell. Clearly, the value that they brought back was not the right amount of value for a player of Cousins' caliber. Uh, everybody was expecting him to have a, a huge package come back, something like a Boston deal where they offer a, a, one of their Nets picks and multiple young prospects and something akin to that that would help the the Kings out long term a little bit more. Instead, they get Buddy Heald, who it seems like their owner, Vivek Ranadive, I think that's how he pronounced his name. Uh, it seems like he's a little bit infatuated with him. Uh, and beyond that, there was not that much return. I think they get a first-round pick out of it. But clearly it was more of a culture thing for them. And whether that was the right decision or not, uh, it still remains to be seen. Uh, we'll see if they can maintain the Patrick Ewing theory of playing better when your star player is traded. Yeah, you know, it. Um... That is, the, and we'll we'll talk about that game uh, specifically. But what you're talking about there is the uh, 
the effect that the rest of the kind of the roster comes out and they come out on fire now that now that the star player isn't there anymore now that they don't have the uh, kind of they don't have they can't rely on him all these new guys are in new roles. Um, Evan, what did you think of the trade, man? Was it? I mean, if you're looking at now the Pelicans, uh, is this a team that I mean, are they going to be going to the playoffs every season? And are they going to be? Should they be considered the the favorite now to get the eighth seed uh, this season? Uh, I'd say they're close, but not quite there. <clears throat> yeah, I definitely understand why many would consider them a favorite. You have two top ten players in Cousins and and Anthony Davis, but really, other than them. Maybe Drew Holiday. They don't really have anyone else that really stands out. Um, it's true, you know. But so, so it's 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 an interesting thing too, right? Because you say they've got they've got two top ten players, um, which Anthony Davis absolutely, Marcus Cousins. You know, some people might try and argue maybe he's top twenty, not top ten. But I think you're kind of it's kind of like argument semantics there. The guy's really good. Um, but but you look at kind of look at a team like Minnesota, right? They've got they've got Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. Probably nobody's going to call Wiggins a top ten player. Uh, Towns, you can make an argument, but they're not they're not in the playoffs right now. Um, Denver has one one star player in Jokic. They're not really sure, and they are currently holding that, holding on to that eight spot um, just barely. And then obviously you've got Portland. They have two star players in McCollum and Lillard. So. I guess what you're saying here, Evan, is, is the depth is it a depth issue with the Pelicans that's going to keep them from getting into the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely for this season. And then, okay, so but maybe in, what in the in the future seasons though is this a team that um, you know do you think they're going to probably become a, a playoff because you know how many guys are going to fall out right as we look forward to the core of this Nuggets team? How many guys do you think are, or teams are going to fall out of those playoff spots in 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 leave a slot open for the Nuggets. Obviously, the eighth seed right now is wide open. But is, the, is do the Nuggets, I guess what I'm trying to get at here, is it, are they going to have to start now focusing on making moves in the offseason uh, to try and keep up with what New Orleans is doing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Nuggets don't have quite as the quite the star power that New, um, that New Orleans has. And that will help the Pelicans out a lot. They'll be, they'll be able to attract more free agents who might want to come there. Um in Denver, you know, look at what Paul George said. It's not really the, the place to be as good as of young core they have. So, yeah, Denver's going to have to make some moves to keep, kind of keep up with that. This year, I think they're still – they still have the best chance of making the playoffs. But in the future, definitely I would expect New Orleans to be in the thick of things. So, you know, another team um, who made a move, it was – it was kind of an interesting, this trade deadline, for as much hype as there was, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about Paul George and Jimmy Butler. Um, you had this Cousins trade, and it was it was the big move, and then the actual deadline kind of was relatively quiet. The biggest deal was Nerlens Noel uh, finally gets traded. I think it was everybody knew it was either him or Okafor was, was going to go. A little bit surprising that Okafor doesn't, um, doesn't get traded. But Nerlens Noel goes to Dallas, another team, uh, the chasing the Nuggets for that eighth seed. Ryan, is, is Dallas a threat to make the playoffs? No, Dallas is not a threat yet. They eventually they will be, but right now they're they're still going to be playing Harrison Barnes more at the four and Dirk at the five. So Nerlens Noel and will probably initially come off the bench for them. We'll see if he eventually supplants Dirk. But look, as that team, they just released uh, Darren Williams. They're handing the reins to Yogi Ferrell. 
at the point guard position. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you right now, Yogi Ferrell is, uh, I mean, he is absolute fire on NBA 2K17. So <laughs> if you're basing, if, you, if that's your basis, it's an excellent move for the Mavericks. Well, no, and I do think that as Ferrell develops and as that team continues to grow a little bit, then they will, they can certainly head in that direction. But right now this team is committed to what basically amounts to a max contract to Harrison Barnes. They still have Wesley Matthews on a large contract. Nerlens Noel will certainly get a large contract in the offseason. And if Dirk does not retire, then he's tied up to a very large contract as well. So I'm not sure how much that team can improve in the near future. Uh, we'll see if they can continue to draft well and maybe recruit some other guys. But uh, at this current point, I don't see them making a huge push. Um, what are they right now? They are... No, I I don't think that they will. I don't think that they'll get there. There are three three games back in the loss column right now. I think there's just too short of time. How how many how many years do you think Dirk's got in him? Because I, you know, I would not be surprised at all. I mean, I, I if if he would want to go another season, I could see it another season or two. But the guy's thirty eight years old. Uh, he'll be thirty nine by the time the season ends. By the time the playoffs are over, you think Evan? You think Dirk's hanging it up? Uh, I think I'll go another year, but not much more than that. Yeah, do you guys, either guys, you know, what's his contract at? Does it end up? Uh, he... I can take a look at it now. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. sure. I'm pretty sure right now he's uh, he's tied up for this year, and then there's another option for next season. Um, Is it, I guess the question is yeah. if it's a player option, right? Then that would be the. Uh... Which I imagine um, it is. I mean, a player of that, it, yeah, of, of Dirk's. Calibre. Yeah, no, it's actually it's actually a team option. Oh, so it's a team um, friendly deal. So yeah, it's 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 twenty five million per for both seasons. So mm. that's that's really interesting. If if the team decides that they want him to hang it up, then they certainly could. So um, and here's the thing, I guess. With now they pick up Merlin's Noel, it kind of is. There kind of almost seems like they're setting up. Uh, they're setting up to to replace Dirk with Nerlens. Um, Ryan, do you think that's you think that's like where they're going with this, with this deal? Uh, mm, well, I mean, it's certainly interesting. I don't think that Dirk profiles is a long-term center option for them. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, Nerlens Noel is still very young. He's still very rangy as a defender, and he's somebody who could anchor them like a Tyson Chandler type. Uh, they still have their draft pick in the draft next year. Uh, I still think be that like what it'll be like. I mean, they'll get like the maybe like eleven or twelve, right? Probably somewhere in that range. So I guess that's... in that range, if depending on what they do for the rest of the season, it might even be a little bit higher. Uh, I could see them going after a small forward or a power forward to kind of pair with Barnes and uh, and Noel long term. Uh, keep going with Farrell and Wesley Matthews in the backcourt. And as that team continues to develop, they could definitely reach their ceiling and maybe get it back into the playoffs down the line a little bit. But yeah, I, I definitely think that the idea is for Noel to be their long-term center. We'll see if it happens though. All right. Well, it is a, it is a Nuggets podcast. So that was a nice little, nice little sidebar. <laughs> we got onto the Mavericks there, but um, the Nuggets make, they make a deal at the uh, at the deadline, what do you guys think? Speaking of you know long term centers, is uh, Evan Roy Hibbert is he the long term center uh, answer for for the Nuggets or backup for Nikola Jokic? 
we all know this is just a deal to help them reach the salary floor. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> be we gotta, we gotta get at least an hour's then. worth of content here, Evan. You may you know, come <laughs> help us out. I, <laughs> no, I was joking. I, it would be funny to see him get playing time. I don't think he will, but um, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. Definitely not what I expected from the Nuggets on the trade deadline. Uh, I was certainly expecting other players to get traded, but uh, they got to do what they got to do to reach the floor, I guess. So, but do they? Do they really? No, but knowing the Cronkies, they will. So, right. but see, that's but that's the thing that the money is sunk cost either way, right? They're they're either paying out. Um, the players that are already on the roster, they're paying out Hibbert. Now, but here's the thing. I understand it from actually from a basketball viewpoint because the fact of the matter is, is Roy Hibbert's not going to play, right? He's the, he's the 15th man on a 15-man roster. But should Jokic get hurt, should Mason Plumlee get hurt, if, if you don't have Hibbert on the roster, your next best options at center are Kenneth Fareed, um, Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari, Darrell Arthur. I mean, nobody nobody's ideal. So I think that's, you know, why... Why not? Instead of just spending that money on your already on players who who are already under contract, why not spend it on a guy who at least is your your emergency center? And as I tweeted out the other day, um, he's second only only to Mason Plumlee, second on the Nuggets in blocks uh, right now with forty four. So there's you got that going for you, right? Um, well, I mean, here's here's what I would take from it. I definitely think that there's an idea that. Potentially, as you said, if Jokic or Plumlee goes down with injury, then he could potentially be a, a safety net of sorts. And that's a great thing, especially down the stretch when we need quality bench play. Uh, and we'll get to Emmanuel Moody, I assume, later. But uh, we will we'll see. I definitely think that the idea of facing the New Orleans Pelicans three times and going up against Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins in the front court. That could have sure. made a made a move like this more sensible, uh, given that three times in the last ten games they'll be jockeying with that team for position and need big men help. Yeah, it's a it's it's true. I mean, they, they've got a, they got a tall task now with those those two big men um, down low. Evan, you mentioned that uh, you thought there was some players that uh, that you were expecting to get traded that didn't. I mean, specifically, who are we talking? Are we talking? Uh, Gallinari, Chandler, Fareed, uh, or maybe were you, maybe even a bigger a bigger deal. I was I wasn't really expecting the big deal. I think it was it was fun that Connolly tried and whatnot, but I was still expecting one of Chandler or Gallo to get traded. Um, and having that not happen, we're kind of seeing some issues now with now that everyone's healthy with the roster depth and rotations and whatnot. Um, so I, yeah, I was really expecting for sure one of those guys, maybe even Barton just to clear up some space, consolidate a bit, and kind of give some more breathing room for the younger guys to play. So the, I mean, the, the rumored asking price for those guys, I think uh, the wording used was for a first-round pick for Gallinari, and then and specifically they said a good first-round pick uh, for Wilson Chandler, which I assume would mean a lottery uh, lottery pick, probably a late lottery pick. Uh, Evan, do you think, I mean, is that a... Was that worthwhile? Was that uh, good value? If that if that deal was out there, in your opinion, should they have done it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it kind of interesting how they traded away the one pick with Yusuf Nurkic for Plumlee, and then they go around asking for another first rounder. So that didn't make a whole lot of sense. 
my guess was that it was always part of they're trying to kind of parlay that into a bigger deal. Maybe that's why they never ended up pulling the trigger on anything. I don't know if there anything was available to begin with, but even if they just did it on their own, I mean, when I look at this team three or four years from now when it's going to be Murray and Jokic, I don't see Chandler or Gallo still being there. So you might as well get something out of them when you can. That's kind of my viewpoint on it. Right. Ryan, what do you think, man, especially Gallo, do, like, do you think the Nuggets have uh, missed an opportunity here now because they didn't make a deal? He's he's in all likelihood going to opt out of his deal at the end of the season um, and, and potentially walk now for nothing. Uh, do you think that should have motivated them to get a deal done and, and try and get something for Gallo? Yeah, and there's always the talk about uh, you can still let somebody walk in free agency as long as you have a plan to use that money. And maybe that's what Connolly is doing. Maybe he has an idea of trying to recruit somebody else that could help. But what I'm really what I'm really thinking here is that for these next 26 games, we have to find guys who are going to contribute to as strong of a team as possible to get to that eighth seed. And right now, what is the biggest weakness? What is the biggest weakness on this team? It's it's the perimeter defense. Perimeter it's, D, yeah. it's the idea that nobody can stop the man in front of you, and we need a player who can. And if we look at all the options that are in the backcourt right now and in and on the wing, the only guy who I could really see as a potential stopper is Chandler, with apologies to Gary Harris, but he's just not there yet. Uh, I was really gunning for a Gallo or Wilson Chandler deal for an Andre Roberson type or a, a Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And even if you have to throw a potential future asset out there to to get those guys, that that need is so huge for somebody like that who can just face a wing player or face a point guard and just make life hell for them. Uh, and right now the Nuggets just don't have that, and that's one of the main reasons why we're seeing such so many issues on the defensive end. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. They were um, they were kind of rumored, you know, there was there were some rumors about Wilson Chandler um, and that, that the Thunder were, were interested in picking him up. And then right right at the deadline, there was some, some talk about the Nuggets uh, and, and Oklahoma City and the, the now infamous, you know, Andre Roberson hugging people as he leaves. The <laughs> oh, <office>. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Just goes to show you the, the craziness of trade deadline, right? But... Um, I mean, yeah, you're right. The, the deal doesn't go down, and I agree with you, Ryan. I thought perimeter defense was if they were going to address something, that's what they needed to do. What I, I mean, in my world, in my ideal world, is they would have addressed that by by getting Jimmy Butler on the team. Uh, that's kind of where I was hoping they would go. Obviously, uh, those, the star players. It's um, like I said, those deals uh, just didn't materialize after the, the Cousins deal. Um, now the thing was, of course. Uh, the the big rumor to come out and, and it's it felt like a little bit of a Nuggets PR um, working hard because yikes they, you know but uh, the, you know they there was a, the rumor that there was a monster offer uh, quote unquote for Paul George that the Nuggets presented but at the same time they said that they the offer did not include Jamal Murray and so to me. I, I think, you know, if, if you, you're not putting Jamal Murray in that, because you know you're not putting Jokic in that, right? There's there's no deal that the Nuggets were going to make that would in, involve Nikola Jokic. He was completely untouchable. So if, if you're not going to put Jamal Murray, who's by far the next best 
uh, player on the team in terms of, of trade value, uh, then it's not really a monster deal. Evan, what 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 do you th- what do you think was offered? Just I mean, we're just going to speculate here. This is it's the joy of the podcasting life. We can we can speculate on the trades all we want. What kind of package do you think the Nuggets might have offered, knowing that they that Jokic and Murray were not part of it? Well, if Murray wasn't a part of it, then the only other way I could see anyone classifying it as monster would be to just have a lot of quantity of players in it. So I would say it probably would have been one of Galler, Chandler, Moutier, uh, Harris, Fareed, and and some picks. That'd be my guess. That's a, you know what, man. I I I'm, I totally agree with you. I think that's probably you're probably right on par there. The only thing I would say is the other rumor that came out um, was that the Nuggets had involved a third team to leverage some of their assets uh, for this trade. Mm, so what I was thinking is, well, that probably means that like Gallo or Chandler was going to that third team and they were getting that first round pick. And then they were sending that uh, to Indiana as well. Yeah. Ryan, what do you think, man? Yeah, I, I could definitely piece that together. That seems like the most logical thing. I would say that Barton is probably another guy who would That's be true. going he's back there good, in a deal. He's such a good asset, right, because of that contract. And then he's also, I mean, he's a he's a very viable op- option off the bench. One of the best options in the in the league off the, off the bench. And then also a pretty good starter as well. Um let me ask you this, Ryan. Would you have included Jamal Murray uh, in a trade to get if you knew it was going to get you either Paul George or Jimmy Butler? Ah, uh, and I've gone back on this. I've gone back and forth on this a lot. Uh, if you're mortgaging the future, then you really should hope to not include Jamal Murray in it because he could potentially be the second best player on the team in just two years. So. I don't think I would. I would do everything I could to not include that guy uh, because that guy is another potential star for this team. And while you you can get somebody like Paul George or Jimmy Butler, it's – actually, I'll change my answer. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't include him. I wouldn't include him for Paul George. I would include him for Jimmy Butler. You know what, man? That's that's funny that you say that because I I agree a hundred percent. But go ahead. Why why is that? Well, for one thing, we just saw the Bulls do a deal with the Oklahoma City Thunder where they brought back Cameron Payne, and uh, Payne. They're probably looking for him to be the point guard of the future at this point. Jamal Murray is a guy who has much more positional flexibility, and he could potentially be a two of the future for them. So, I would entice them with that kind of deal. And uh, by also allowing Harris to slide to the one uh, for the Nuggets, I would. I think that that would improve the defense tremendously uh, by simply just having more heady IQ defenders uh, in their lineup. And plus, Harris is really good. So if we can, if we could include Murray, I would also include Moutier in that deal. Uh, just wow. as somebody who could, uh, because I mean, when you when you come down to it, if if you've got Harris, you've got Butler, you've got Barton still. I think that you could still retain Barton, uh, and then you go, you just go for it. Uh, sc- I mean, s- screw the rebuild. We're done rebuilding. We've got we've got Jokic. If you get Butler and you recruit somebody else in free agency, then I mean, what more there's do you your, need? There's your three, right? There's your three guys. Um, 
Yeah, you know, so I was I was very torn on it as well because I I mean Jamal Murray you see it uh, you see it all the time man the guy the guy can shoot the ball uh, he's he's got great great body control on offense he's he's got everything all the makings of a star the thing is is Jimmy Butler and Paul George in my opinion already are stars so how much how much better than what those guys already are uh, can Jamal Murray really be that's what would my what made me go back and forth. Um, and then, so what I came down to is, is, is need and, and really Paul George and Jimmy Butler, both are pretty good, uh, pretty good wing defenders. Um, so, you know, if, if they had, if they had put Murray in a deal for Paul George, I probably would have been, um, okay with it, I guess, depending on what else they gave up. Uh, but it's, it's, I think, you know, in, at the end of the day, I would have done it just because. Butler and George are, are guys that you can count on right now for production. Now, of course, the thing that would make me more so Butler than George is we hear that Paul George says, you know, oh, well, he didn't want to go to the Nuggets because he didn't see a pathway to the finals uh, with the Warriors <laughs> and the Spurs. But then, or just, just shortly after this, uh, the word is that he's, if he's not going to get to the championship with the Pacers, He's hell bent on going to the Lakers, and and I think it was Jeff Morton was one of the first people to bring this up. He said, "Well, that I mean, what's the pathway to the championship for the Lakers?" Evan, is it? Uh, do you buy what George was saying about about Denver not having a pathway to the championship at all, or or is this more of a he just doesn't want to come play in Denver? It, he just doesn't want to come play in Denver. That's him being nice of saying it, but you know the Lakers. They've got the you know the big city vibe and all that, and um, he's from around that area, isn't he? Um, George. Yeah, he's from yeah. California. So okay. there's that as well. But then, you know, it's just it sucks that Denver always has that kind of Cowtown vibe to it. No one wants to come here. And if, yeah, you know, but but here's the thing, and 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 I, I get what you're saying, um, but the Nuggets have have the thing that rules all. Uh, which is money, and I get that everybody has had a lot of money lately um, because of of this this cap rise that they've got from the new TV deal. Um, but we're starting to see that run out, right? The Portland Trailblazers are, are totally cap strapped right now because they don't have, um, or because they they paid all these guys in the off season, guys like uh, Alan Crabb and Mo Harkless, uh, who are just not really that great of players, and they're getting paid these these big bucks. So Evan I, I, Evan Turner. Evan Turner, Evan Turner yeah, exactly, too. exactly. So, uh, the the Nuggets have the thing that rules all right now, which is they have cash to spend. So, the other thing that I think really affects it is is they just they haven't won yet. They they even if they're they're in the eighth seed right now, but they're below five hundred. Right, this is not, and and everybody's talking about it and glamorizing it because it's a uh, a chance to get swept basically by the by the Warriors in the first round. Um, and that, that's a tough pitch, I think, to to players who are in their prime right now. But if if you if you get to the point where Murray uh, progresses into a guy who looks like he could be a star, um, and, and Jokic continues doing what he's doing, I think then maybe you have a chance um, to to maybe get guys to want to come in here because they think there's actually a chance to win. And you know the the, the Nuggets are spending money. Uh, right now, on the players, you know, they're building like right now. It's the they they're building a new parking garage. Right, last season they redid the locker room, so they are they are trying to make it a more uh, desirable destination as far as facilities. Uh, so give them credit there. 
I guess in the end, you know, the like I said, these star trades are so hard uh, to pull off at the trade deadline. And, and I guess at the end, in the end of the day, I'm not too upset. I'll ask you, Ryan. Where bottom line, uh, are you okay with them standing pat? I guess my one concern is is like you said, uh, everybody's healthy now. How do you fit all these guys in the rotation? Um, what do you think well, though? Is it was it worth it? Should they? Are you? Are you think they made? Were totally made a mistake by not making any uh, significant deals? Well, it's it's always going to be hard because you never know what's going to happen. If they did have a deal on the table with a team that was offering a first round pick for one of those guys, like we we saw Toronto swing a deal for PJ Tucker, and all they had to give up was salary and a couple future second round picks. Right. Uh, if if they potentially could have traded Chandler for a first-round pick from Toronto, then all that does is it helps balance out this cap and it helps balance out this budget and keeps giving our the guys a future opportunity that are on the roster right now. And I know that they, they continue to talk about not wanting to get younger, but the first the first round pick that they would acquire is not necessarily a player. It's currency. It is draft currency. It's something that they can use as a tool to get better. It's not something that they necessarily have to say, Hey, we're picking a guy here. If they feel like they need to pick a guy here, then great. But, uh, I think that's a common misconception with trading for draft picks is saying that you have to use all of your draft picks. That's, that's just not true. Yeah, that's, and I, I totally agree with you, man. And that's the thing I think um, if they could have got a, a first-round pick for either Gallo or Chandler, I'd do it because not only do you open up that one spot, you know, and it, right now they needed to open up one spot, period. They have too many guys as it is who, who can play, and that's not really counting guys like Wancho. Um, I would I would say you, if you trade Gallo or Chandler, you still probably, uh, well, I guess you're making the choice between Emmanuel Moody or Wancho, who's going to get that last spot in the actual rotation. Um, in the end, I, I think you're right, right? I, and what they could have done is they'd still be so deep, uh, they could have then looked towards the draft as taking that draft pick plus their own, plus one of these other players, one of these young players. Maybe it's Gary Harris, maybe it's Wancho, you know, but somebody to either move up in the draft or make some sort of other deal for maybe that's when you try and uh, approach these these Jimmy Butler kind of kind of deals. Um, anything else that well, because, you because because you know the, it's it's okay. You know that their Indiana and Chicago are going to continue to visit these deals. They're they're not done trying to get rid of these not and not necessarily get rid of the stars, but try and accumulate a huge package if they know that things aren't going to be working out. So by accumulating as much draft capital as possible and keeping yourself flexible and making sure that you have as much ammunition as possible, that's like Gallo is now off the table to be traded right now. He can, he cannot be traded. So that's somebody I mean, that you could probably do like a, I mean, you could do a sign and trade deal, something like that. Um, but it's, that's, I, I don't, it's not as common right now, right? Because most people have some room in the, or wiggle room in the cap. They don't need to do that. I didn't know if it was involved in the new CBA or not. Uh, well, that's true. You know, I, that's true. I don't know either. Um, I would, I would think though, because that's that's a kind of an owner. Um, it, it really, yeah. it's, a, it's a win-win, right? The player still gets to pick where they want to go, um, and then the other team helps give some sort of salary cap flexibility, and then also then the team losing the player gets some assets. All right, right. guys. Well, that's um, 
that'll probably do it. Let's for for the the, the trade deadline. Unless Evan, was there any any uh, any other sort of big deals you 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 saw go down at the deadline you want to talk about? I just really liked the deal that Oklahoma City made with Chicago. It was, they didn't really make them That's contenders right. or anything. Buckets, man. Picking up, <laughs> yeah, picking up Taj and uh, and McDermott, but I think they're good pickups for for the cheap price they gave out. Yeah, that's true. That would, um, that you're right. That was a kind of a under the radar deal. And once again, yet another team, uh, obviously not not competing for the eight seed, but within the Nuggets division, and, and someone you, you they'll have to compete with long term, uh, making making moves. So it was it was an interesting deadline for sure. Um, even if it wasn't so active for Denver or or as far as star deals in general. All right, guys, I'll tell you what, we'll take a quick break, and then when we'll get back, we'll get into the – the Nuggets had a couple games this week. One went well, one went not so well. Uh, we'll, we'll break it down. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck – Maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical the home of truly affordable electrical work. All right, everybody, we're coming right back uh, here at the Pickaxe Podcast. I'm with Ryan Blackburn from South Carolina, and I've got Evan Fiala from Utah. So we're we're crossing the United States with our with our podcast this week, um, guys. Let's dive right back in. The Nuggets had two games this week after they come back from the All Star break. They start out in Sacramento. Coach Malone's former team, he has yet to get a win against the Kings. Uh, the Kings, of course, coming off that Cousins trade we were talking about, uh, they get, they've got Buddy Heald, they've got Tyreek Evans, but uh, they take a huge loss with Cousins being in the roster, or not being on the roster anymore. And and then, it, so everything's kind of tilted towards Denver getting the win, right? This should be this should be a game the Nuggets should have in the bag. Uh, this is this is a team that's still right there for the eight seed, but should now be de- trending down. These are games you got to win. Make sure you get the tiebreaker just in case anything happens. And what ends up happening is the Nuggets come out and they they lay an egg. Is the only way to the only way to describe it, Evan. Um, I mean, what was your what was your, what's your first initial uh, speculation as as to why Denver played so terrible in that game against the Kings? It was just disappointing, man. They uh, they just didn't look like they wanted to be there. But for the reason why, I I think it had to do with the trade deadline stuff. I'm sure they all knew that the roster was kind of crowded, and I'm sure they heard their names being thrown around in rumors throughout the week and whatnot. So I imagine that was probably just a stressful day for a lot of them. But 
given the the situation you know, I, I don't think that's an excuse for playing so poorly in a in a must win game against a different team that's competing for for a playoff spot with you especially given the horrible loss they had against Minnesota prior to the all-star break right um, right. yeah, so yeah they, I think there was just a lack of focus all around, and, and that's what they got for. They got blown out. Yeah, you know what, and I think uh, I would agree, man. I think, you know, you had the, like I said, they had the rumor, the monster deal, which means there was probably a ton of players involved. Um, I think Wilson Chandler, of course, has been somewhat vocal about wanting a more consistent role. Not somewhat, he has been vocal about wanting a, a more consistent role with the team, and then nothing really changes. Uh there's still there's still this giant log jam and like we've been saying now everybody's healthy so I think that really I think that really affected them I think Gallo and Chandler more so than anybody uh, just looked like they they weren't in the mindset to play that game and I guess I I get it I understand uh, you you go through the morning not knowing if you're going to be on on the team anymore not knowing if you're going to pick up and move your whole life somewhere else in the country and then in the end you know nothing happens I mean because in some ways when something like that is happening. Or you think it's going to happen, right? You you kind of settle with it, and I wondered if those guys had kind of settled with it that they were probably moving on, and then they end up staying here, and then they got to suddenly play a game that night. Um, meanwhile, on the other side, you've got uh, the Kings who pulled their deal earlier in the week, uh, right right in the middle of the break. So all the players had already they had already flown, they had already packed up their things, they were in wherever they were staying in. They probably they've been through a practice, you know their. Uh, and, and the Kings come out and, and they, they, they pretty much uh, they, they look excellent. They, uh, they, the big man combo, the Kentucky combo, Willie Cauley-Stein um, and Scal, they, they, those guys just killed the Nuggets inside. Ryan, what do you think, man? Are those Can the Kings win with those two guys as kind of a, a featured front court? Absolutely. I mean, and that is, that's not a knock on Cousins that they – they look so much better now, although that's for a bunch of other extenuous circumstances that they they look better now. But people forget that Willie Cauley-Stein was drafted ahead of Emmanuel Moutier by one pick for yeah. a reason. He was He's actually not that bad. He's actually pretty good, and he has a lot of the tools to be a lockdown defensive center. And we saw during that game he was hitting jump shots, he was hitting a lot of runners, he was... He put Jokic in the spin cycle one time, and that yeah, was at that point where... athleticism on the boards. I mean, he looked... Uh, you're right. He looked at phenomenal. Keep going. Then Scal he's he was a guy who was rumored to be a lottery pick for a long time because... he And he didn't play as well as some of those other Kentucky guys like like Carl Anthony Towns and Colley Stein, uh, those kinds of big men. But uh, Scal was definitely a guy who has all the tools to succeed and he's not going to blow you away on the glass. But as we saw, he has a jump shot. He is a guy who can use his length on defense to be effective. And really both of those guys are very athletic, very agile on both ends. So they can complement each other really well. And as they continue to build their team, I think Buddy Hield will eventually step in to be a starter on that team. They could have something with those three and, it's going to take a little while, of course, but uh, I, I mean, it yeah, could be it, a case of the the Ewing syndrome. So I think a couple of things to bring up there, Ryan. I think um, first you point out, or, or what I think you were really pointing out about Willie Cauley Stein and Scal is those two guys are they're versatile, right? They're, and that's that's the all the rage right now in the NBA. 
Um, right. Willie Colley Stein is one of those guys. He legitimately can probably defend the one through five. Um, I think you could put him on a point guard and he'd be able to hold his own. He's that athletic. He's got that kind of quickness. Um, and then he's also, I mean, he's got the length to guard the fives and he's, and he's, you can already start to see uh, he's putting on, he's had a couple of seasons or now he's in his second season in the NBA. Um, he's starting to put on that more of an NBA style body. Whereas a guy like Scal, you look at, and of course Scal is a rookie and he, he's still, you can tell he's, <laughs> he's got some ways to go in the weight room. Um, but right. I really liked Scal pre-draft too, man. I thought he was a guy that uh, the Nuggets might look at um, because he, he provides a little bit of that rim protection and he's also got that versatility on defense and, and he, he can shoot a jump shot and he can, he can finish above the rim. Um, can do a little bit of everything. Evan, uh, what do you think, man? Is Buddy Heald, Willie Cauley-Stein, and, and Scal... La, how do you guys pronounce his last name? Labissier? Something like Close. that. <laughs> Something like that, right? It's, it's nice. I'm glad he's not on the Nuggets so we don't have to try and figure out how to spell it when we're doing recaps. <laughs> um, Evan, you think, is that, a, is that a big three that the Kings could have potentially uh, to compete with the Nuggets? Uh, I think it's too early to call it that, but it's definitely a good start for them. Okay, Evan, this is come on, man. We we we, we need the clicks. You gotta. We need all hot takes. You're killing me. Oh, hot garbage. I mean, Kali Stein looks great against Jokic. He's, he took him to the rack a few times, and it's kind of embarrassing. He also had, had a great quote at the end about the pizza. <laughs> um, I remember that. That was that was really funny. Yeah, that was awesome. So yeah, I like him. Yeah, I, I think a... Ben Hill will be good too. He's not Curry esque, you know. Cross your fingers, but I, yeah, I think you know they they have a good young team. They'll be good. Yeah, I mean Curry esque man. That's like uh, again. I I last week I mean, when we were on the pod, I was talking about how people might come on, compare Jamal Murray to that, and I said you just can't do that. I mean Stephen Curry is um, he's in a world of his own. Uh, Ryan, what do you think, man? I guess just one more thought on the game. Like I said, Mike Malone loses again. I know, man. I've, I've you know, I've, I've had the chance to interview Coach enough times and, and see him after losses, um, and I've been there after a Kings loss, and it, you, you can tell it just eats at him. He's an emotional guy, and you can tell. I mean, he every it seems like every pregame show, and this one was no no different. Uh, I think it's shoot around. You know, he takes kind of a little jab. Uh, once again, talking about how he got fired for style of play and stuff. Um, Ryan, what's the deal, man? The why is it? Is he cursed? Why can't he get over the uh, the hump here with the Kings? I think it's a it's it's definitely a case of emotion with him. Uh, as we've seen, he's a very emotional guy, especially during games, and uh, it causes some in-game communication and kind of execution issues that we've we've seen in the past with this team and i think against a team like sacramento it's a little bit heightened uh it's it's really hard to watch because there were so there were so many things wrong with that game from the nuggets perspective and the main thing that i saw was he had the veterans have the ball in their hands and they isoed and that's what they did for 48 minutes of offense and there were very few elbow touches for yep. for the bigs there was ev- everything was just going wrong that could go wrong Jokic was kind of made a scapegoat at one point it's it's really difficult uh and that's that may be something that 
kind of hounds Malone for a while. I think during the next Sacramento game, he just has to take a step back and say, hey, assistant coaches, you've got to help me out here. I'm going to sit down. Just let's go get this win. And that'd be it. Let me tell you, man, I I mean, I... I like the I like the thought, but uh, there is no way there is no way coach would ever do that, man. That's just not the way he's geared. Um, oh, I know, I know. It's it's yeah. He uh, he's uh he's the we saw it right against th- that that game against Dallas when he's he's basically the the sixth defense defender on the court there, uh, guarding <laughs> the inbounds. So the Nuggets though they rebounded um they rebounded Friday against the against the Nets, which is uh. If you're gonna if you're gonna have a team you need to rebound against, it might as well be the Nets. Evan, um, is that the, is it, are is Brooklyn? I mean, are they the worst team in the NBA? I think they have the worst record in the NBA, right? I, yeah, I think they do. It's not close. It is really, really not close. They are probably <laughs> eight or nine or ten games behind the next right, next let's team. See, I'm checking it right now. Oh, yeah. They're nine and, and that's nine and forty-eight. Nine and forty-eight. That's yeah. That's that's bad. So they they definitely have the worst. Uh, Worst roster in the NBA. I, I I made the comment during the Kings game. I was saying, well, maybe it's the Kings the worst roster in the NBA now. But man, then you watch the get a good dose of the Nets coming to play, uh, and then suddenly you remembered. Uh, yeah. Evan, what do you think, man? Is it not only is it the worst roster, but uh, I mean the the Celtics. It, it was it was talked about at the trade deadline the whole time. Is hey they've got the they've got the Nets pick, which might end up being the first overall pick in the draft, which is just ridiculous because I think they, they got that pick for like a 36 year old Kevin Garnett and a 34 year old yeah. like that Paul Pierce um, can you remember any team in the past in the NBA uh, who's who's getting I mean the Nets are going to be bad for a long time right yeah uh, they've got to be bad I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Boston has their pick next year too Right? Yeah, right, exactly. So yeah. I mean, is this have I, I was so I was trying to th- I was trying to think, and um, you guys are a bit younger than me, but uh, I go back to the the like in the nineties, um, the Clippers, and how they were just so awful every year, and they always every, if they picked a guy, either it was like a Danny Manning, right, who who was phenomenal, um, and then gets taken down by injuries, or they pick a guy like Michael Ola Candy, who was just a <laughs> massive bust. Um, but what's funny about the Nets is they, they don't even have that opportunity. They don't even get a pick a bust. It's just they, they have no picks. They're just going to continue to play, you know, I mean, Jeremy Lin and uh, uh, I guess Brooke Lopez until to get them to 15 wins a season until maybe 2020. Yeah, it's, um, it's bad. <laughs> I have a hot take. All right, let's hear it. I think the Nets make the postseason by 2021. All right, so that's, let's yeah. see, so you're saying, was that four seasons? Yes. Okay, so they don't have a pick in the next two drafts, 2017, 2018. So then that would basically, you're saying that the 2019 and 2020 drafts are gonna are gonna elevate them to to the playoffs. Is that what is that is that well, what you're thinking? Let me take a look. They have a, I I will say they do have a swap. This this next draft they have a swap with uh with. Boston, it's not outright that they're giving them their pick, so they will get Boston. So they'll pick. get like a, a yeah, but it'll be like I mean, Boston's going to get uh, potentially. I mean, it, what, the, we could I mean, we could get way off track. It's here a low pick. What, what, well, well, I'm saying we could get way off track and talk about how yeah. Boston's going to uh, deal with this this pick in this draft and this point guard heavy uh, top end, and, and they've already got Isaiah Thomas. But that well, that's for a, a day for another podcast. Um, but uh, 
Brooklyn is also getting the first round pick from Washington this year. So, okay, so I definitely they... I definitely think that they're they're building in the right direction. Their their GM I think is Sean Marks. Uh I think that they're going to continue to build and this is the right draft and they've got multiple second round picks coming their way as well. Uh I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to build around the young guards that they have and they they just continue to select the young guys. They will continue to be bad. They get their first round pick in 2019. But by that point, I it wouldn't surprise me if Brooklyn continues to play and earn their way back to a postseason sometime in the near future. They've got a really good coach-GM combo, and I definitely see that as something uh, for them. Who's coaching Brooklyn these days? Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson. All right, there you go. Uh, Evan, what do you? I guess. Yeah, we'll, which, all right, okay, good. Yeah, I was saying they. Uh, uh, I'm with I'm with Evan on that one. Uh, but let's let's talk about a bit, bit about the Nuggets in this game because you know what the Nuggets get the win, um, and there was it was a mixture of good and bad. I thought Evan, uh, obviously the guy who was who was a lot of good and he, and he played well. One of the only guys who played really well against Sacramento was Gary Harris. Uh, he backs it up. I think he had 25 points uh, against the Nets. How underrated is this guy? I mean, is You've got Jamal Murray, right? And and Jamal's kind of maybe that that two guard of the future, but is it is Gary Harris kind of is he is he going to force Jamal Murray to end up being the one because I mean, I don't think he, Gary's the type of guy you can put on the bench. I think he's he's that good. What do you think? I I would agree with that. I think he needs to be the two. Um and I think I mean, it depends what happens with Moutier, obviously, but yeah, Harris is really good. And I think offensively he's definitely underrated. He can pretty much do everything. He's so, super good at cutting. He can shoot. He can finish at the rim. He's strong. Um, and he's, you know, he held the Nuggets together last night, and he was the only one who really showed up on on Thursday as well. Uh, defensively, I think he's overrated a bit, but overall, like, I'm, I'm really glad he's on our team. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you, man. It's And I don't even know, I mean, I don't know what's going on with the defense this year because I don't, I've, I've, Gary Harris is one of those guys who who it's uh he's one of the few I'd argue the the eye test with right because I've watched him uh, throughout the entire his entire career with the Nuggets pretty much every game you know from from summer league to preseason to regular season um, and, and if there's one thing I can say without a doubt is he's his defensive instincts are really good and then he's got that long wingspan I mean he's only six three I think in height but I think his wingspan something like six seven. And he, uh, he, you have seen him use it to, to create turnovers. And I, I, I think he's got all the skills, all the tools to be a good defender. But for whatever reason, uh, this season it's just man, it has everybody on the team has just been, um, has just been awful. Uh, I want to, I want to touch on something you, you, you mentioned there briefly, Evan, um, which is, is Emmanuel Moutier. So Moutier had the, uh, he had the back issue before the, uh, before the preseason, he missed the or not the preseason before the All Star break, um, and then he misses the Rising Stars challenge with uh, with the back issue, which of course you do because if you miss the games, you got to right the, the kind of underwritten rules. If you if you play uh, if you're in the All Star game, then you you better play uh, the game prior um, to that for your team and, and make sure that you're healthy. Uh, yeah, I think Carmelo Anthony is probably the only guy who's ever not really followed that rule. We could, mm, I don't yeah. know, do you guys remember that when it was when it was like maybe like two years ago and uh, Melo 
he had like a knee injury or something, but he he like he's, he kept saying that he was active. He wasn't going down for the season um, until the All Star game, and he goes out and plays in the All Star game, and then right after that, he shuts it down for the rest of the year. <laughs> Rough, <laughs> yeah, that was just that was a bad the day. dumbest thing I've ever seen. His peak mellow. Um, yeah. So, but so Emmanuel Moutier, right? He he's uh, he comes he comes back now, and everybody he's a full go. He's healthy. He's listed as questionable. I was at the Warriors game, which was the game before the last one before the uh, All Star break, and Moutier in warmups looked pretty good. He was moving um, pretty quick. He 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 didn't look like he was holding back any uh, in that warm up. So I think he's pretty much healthy, and then the coach pretty much um, confirmed. That it's not really that he because he doesn't he didn't get any minutes and right he played last night in garbage time, um, so it's it's basically at this point he is out of the rotation which is crazy, considering uh, you know what maybe eighteen months ago the guy was um, being hailed as the new the the new face of the Nuggets when they drafted him. Ryan, what do you, what are your impressions? Do you agree with the move? Is it is it right? Do you think is Moutier is is he? Uh, I, I don't want to use the word bust, but is he maybe not? Um, is he not going to be a Nugget long term now? What's what are your thoughts? Well, I would probably compare this a little bit to the Yusuf Nurkic situation uh, from last year, where Nurkic in his second season he's he's shown some flashes, he's had some injuries, he comes back, he's struggling to get ahead of Joffrey Laverne on the depth chart. And uh, eventually he will he gets back into it and he, he plays for the rest of the season where it really doesn't matter. But at this point, the Nuggets are in a position where every game matters. And Moutier is one of the most... And I did a stat of the week on this. Uh, Moutier is definitely the most inconsistent player on this team. And yeah. for a team where he's going to be a 15 to 20 minute per game guy off the bench. If he loses the game for the team in those 15 to 20 minutes because of how poorly he plays, then what does that say to the other guys who they're trying to tooth and nail to fight for an eight seed? And uh, they know that this, this kid is not ready to go. So I think that the it's the right course of action to keep him on the bench. My recommendation is to, when when the opportunity calls for it, if there's another injury, if there's uh, an injury in the front court where they have to play a little bit smaller off the bench, then that's fine. Use him. Uh, if somebody needs a break or Jameer Nelson needs a breather from carrying this team for too long, he uh, use Moutier. That's fine. But in the offseason, commit to Moutier. Say, hey, we're still in your court, but you need to show us something more than you have so far. Go work in the offseason. Get better. Work on your ball handling. Work on your finishing. Work on your one-on-one one -on -one defense. And just blow us away when you come back for your third year. We will commit to you, but you have to commit to us. Yeah, I can. I mean, and I, I think, um, you know, I think Moutier is a guy who you, you can't really give up on because, and, and you're right, he's got he's got some work to do. And I think you hit on the head there, uh, Ryan. It's the, the problem with Moutier is the turnovers – um, it's the inability to finish at the basket, uh, and then it's the defense. Those are those are his big three knocks right now. Um, right. And, and he doesn't have – he's not a great jump shooter either, so he doesn't have that to kind of kind of back him up. What he is great at um, is he's great at dribble penetration. He's one of the best uh, on the team at that. I, I think he, he's probably, you could argue, is the best the Nuggets have at getting to the basket. Maybe Gallo. 
uh, or Wilson or Will Barton, you could throw in that argument as well. Um, but, but then he's he's absolutely the worst at finishing at the basket on the team, um, and it's and it's so mind it's just mind boggling because he it's, it's like he gets right there right it's it's not like he's he's trying kind of like like Nurkic uh, would miss a lot of shots because he's trying these impossible like. He, hook shots where he's just kind of throwing the ball at the basket. Moutier is going like he's doing a routine layup and, and they're just not going in. Um, yeah. Evan, what are your thoughts, man? Is, is, cause I kind of think, you know what? I think uh, Moutier is probably a guy who maybe, maybe he's not the starter. Maybe Jamal Murray is the, the future starting point guard uh, for the Denver Nuggets, but Moutier could still be a good, a great guy off the bench for you. He could be a great sixth man as your, your first point guard off the bench. And Jamal Murray gives you that versatility. What do you think, Evan? Do they do they stick with Moutier still long long term, or is this kind of the sign of the of the beginning of the end? I think you just gotta stick with him. Uh, I'm I'm not really a fan of how they're handling this situation. I think it'd be one thing to you know to to have him come off the bench, but to get the DNPCDs, I don't think it's helping anyone. This is the same thing that happened to Nurkic earlier in the year. He just got thrown on the bench, and then he completely checked out. And I think if that happens to Moutier, then it's going to be really hard to salvage what what has already happened with him before. Um, plus, I'm I'm not a fan of you know seeing him on the bench and seeing Will Barton come in and run the point and just dribble around and take his shots and not really contribute to the offense as well. I think Moutier is important because he doesn't really need the ball to to be great as a point guard. He's he buys into the offense and facilitates with Jokic a lot. Some of his best games played this year were when Jokic entered the starting lineup, and um, so I think that's something to to consider as well. Right. Yeah, I think um, you bring up a good point. I mean, he he does a good two man game. Uh, well, the funny thing is, though, I think Jamal Murray and, and Gary Harris probably do it even better, which is um, which is kind of why I get to the idea of like maybe this is the point where, you, where he's you start looking at him as your as your point guard on the bench of, of your future. You you go with Jamal Murray. You could go with Jamal Murray. Uh, as your one, uh, Gary Harris at your two. You could you got Juancho Hernan Gomez, who I got I think is going to be a, a very good basketball player as well. He he could end up being your three of the future. Um, obviously, you got Jokic at the five, and then you, really the only thing you're thinking about there is the four is maybe a guy who's not already on the team. But Kenneth Freed plays great with Jokic as well, so who knows? Um, but speaking of speaking of Nikola, you guys like that? That was a no. What a transition! Oh, good. Oh, yeah, podcast number two, but like segue level uh, expert already. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so Nikola Jokic, Ryan, I was gonna say I got a stat for you for your stat of the week. How about this one? That's all you have to write. Uh, one field goal attempt for Nikola Jokic last night in the win against the Nets. That's got to be. Uh, I, don't, I don't have to I look it up. I can tell you that's got to be his lowest of the of the season. I, I might use that. That's pretty good. He made it too. hundred percent. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah. There's a there's a silver lining, um, and Jokic did not look good uh, against the Kings either. And what's what's funny, what's really funny about it is that he, he we say he didn't look good. And, and granted, Jokic he scores like right, he scores two points uh, against the Nets. He still I think he gets what seven rebounds and, and five assists. Um. And and obviously, and he does that in, in limited minutes because he was he was dealing with foul trouble. He did once again. Jokic gets those those frustration fouls, um, and so it was actually seven assists, five rebounds, and then um, then the the 
I think I got four points. So, no, two points, two points. He also uh, had four turnovers. Yeah, plus the four turnovers, right? So it's um, it's funny we say to bat, he still actually kind of found a way to contribute, um, and he was still on, on against Sacramento again. Another, uh, he had a good night uh, rebounding at least. Um, but Evan, I guess, do you think? I think Jokic is tiring out. And here's the thing. He gets drafted. Uh, he spends a year in Serbia. He comes over. He signs his deal in the summer uh, of, what was that, summer of 2015. After that, he really has not stopped playing basketball, right? So he goes that. He signs his deal. He goes to the summer league. After that, he maybe has – that's when he has last has like a tiny little break. Then he comes in for the preseason. He plays uh, – last season, he doesn't play much to begin with. By the end of the season, he's the starting center. Um, for the Nuggets, he then he then ends the season, goes to have to play. Remember, Serbia did not uh, was not an automatic bid to the Olympics. They actually had to qualify early in the summer, so that's why Jokic didn't play summer league. He instead is in the qualifiers for the Olympics. They Serbia, of course, makes it in, makes it all the way to the gold medal game um, of the Olympics, and then right after that, he's rolling right back into preseason of this season, and he's been playing ever since. Evan, do you think it's a, a case of fatigue with Jokic right now? Or, or, I mean, what's going on with this this funk he's in? Uh, I think it's got to be the fatigue. Just like you were saying, he's, he hasn't stopped playing for like a year and a half. Uh, even over the All-Star break, he only played one That's game, right. but he's still you know mentally tired out. There's a lot of media stuff going on and all that. It's not like he was just sleeping in bed all day. Um and him being so young, I think this is probably the most basketball he's ever played in his life. So it's finally catching up to him. The question I have, though, is do you think the Nuggets can afford to rest him? Ryan, what do you think? Uh, with the addition of Plumlee and maybe, hey, you enter Roy Hibbert with trial by fire, uh, I, I do second, think that they could have... Again, second on the team in blocks. <laughs> defensive, uh, defensive enforcer for the Denver Nuggets. Now, I I do think that they could afford to rest him for a game or two. And that doesn't nece- that's not necessarily giving up on those games because as we've seen in this Nets game, you can still have a guy who who isn't super productive from the the center position as long as a guy like Mason Plumley comes in and plays a role. And obviously Mason Plumley is still a starting caliber center. He's proven that time and time again now on the on the Trailblazers and now in his third ever game with the Nuggets, he's almost recorded a triple double. So that should be that should give anybody confidence, and everybody should have confidence that this team could survive a game or two without Jokic. Now it's trying to figure out when that happens and what they're supposed to do with it and how they how they handle it. Um, I they've got a game against Memphis coming up. Um, I don't think that you can. Yeah, I don't think you can rest them for that one. After that, they they go into a stretch of kind of games that they can win. Yeah, so, they've got and, uh, right. They've got so they got a quick jaunt uh, over kind of Midwest, I guess, over to first um, they'll play the Bulls in Chicago, and then they got the Bucks in Milwaukee. Um, two teams who are who are you know dangerous uh, certainly on their own home courts can certainly beat the Nuggets, um, but also teams that the Nuggets can beat as well. Uh, in fact, Nuggets uh, won both of their games against those teams at home when they played them earlier in the season then after that they get into a a nice little four-game homestand which is then separated then they go one game into sacramento and then they have another three-game homestand so they get they get seven of their next eight after this quick two-game road trip 
at home. Maybe there's somewhere I think you, you think about resting him. In fact, the one game in Sacramento, I mean, I guess, you know, I don't think Sacramento's making the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. I, I, do you guys agree? You think Sacramento's... No, they're, they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, no, they're, they're not in. Exactly. So, I mean, why send... If you've got four games at home and then one game in Sacramento against a team where you really don't think the tiebreaker is going to actually matter, and then three more games at home, why send Jokic to that game in Sacramento, right? It's the second game of a back-to-back. Why don't you just you know send him home, rest him up, and not play that game? Um, Remember who your coach is. Yeah. That's a great point. It's All right, this is the test. We're going to see how committed is Coach Malone to uh, the Nuggets and, and winning. Um, against this this Kings team, will he play Jokic? Because you're right, that's that's an, an excellent point. I mean, coach wants to win that game, but if I'm looking at one game to rest Nikola Jokic, it's definitely that one. All right, guys. So another game that Jokic uh, will definitely not get rested for. Um, Mark Gasol and the and the Grizzlies are here on Sunday. Uh, last time Nuggets played against the Grizzlies, Gasol definitely got the better of them. Evan, I'll start with you. Uh, what do you think is is uh, what's the what's the recipe for for containing Gasol? I mean, you can't really stop the guy, right? But how do you contain him so that he doesn't doesn't lead the Grizzlies to a win? I think this is why Tim Connolly brought in secret weapon Roy Hibbert for guys like this. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he's uh he's the big man down low, low Roy Hibbert. Uh, will you you think he's gonna get some minutes tonight or or not tonight? Well, maybe tonight. Like it just depends again on the on the editing speed I have here. Um, but it, does he get minutes against the Grizzlies? Uh, I I don't think so to be honest. That it depends if uh, if Jokic gets into foul trouble, then we might very well see him. But I don't. I'm not anticipating it at all. Right, uh, I mean that's that's the recipe for success when you're playing against Nikola Jokic, getting in foul trouble. Is that something, Ryan? Uh, I'll ask you. Is that something that uh, Nikola's going to be at risk for? Is is Gasol like a type of guy who uh, can get the fouls against Jokic? Well, he's a smart guy. Uh, you always know that with Gasol, you're going to get some veteran savvy. You're going to get somebody who, not only now, I mean, he has a jump shot now, so he can definitely hit Jokic from outside and definitely. Uh, burn the nuggets there but uh he's also a guy who we've seen Jokic do this in the past he'll draw the uh he'll draw the easy fouls and he'll make then he'll make guys work and uh when the when they work he'll he'll eventually get some of those calls and he'll get some of the more difficult fouls to get so uh I guess we'll just have to see uh depending on what they do with Zach Randolph and with uh with Marcus Saul we may see like you guys have mentioned before the Plumley Jokic lineup so uh uh, we'll see how they match up with that. I think that that's going to be a, a foul magnet for the guys, uh, but I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, you know that's it's what I was thinking is is you go with the the Plumlee Jokic lineup um, probably a little bit more than you would in a normal game because you're playing the Grizzlies and because I think Zach Randolph, you know, he's not a guy who's who's got any sort of athleticism to speak of. Just just like Jokic, I think you know that's a type of power forward that Jokic can. Um, be successful defending, and then you can you can put Plumley up against Gasol. I think uh, Kenneth Kenneth Reed struggles with Zach, Zach Randolph. I can't uh, I can't think of a game where he hasn't. Um, so that that that's something maybe you look at. What do you think, Evan? Is that uh, you think the Twin Tower lineup uh, is that a possibility uh, against the Grizzlies? Definitely. I, mean, I think to be honest, I think it's their best shot at stopping their their big front court. You just got to throw the big bodies at them to counter it and pray that it works. 
Yeah, and then the other thing you got to figure out is, you know, if you're going to have Jameer Nelson cover Mike Connolly, you're probably in for a long night, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's not going <laughs> to go over very well, I don't think. Maybe that's a, you know, maybe it's something they do where they, like, they try and slide Gary Harris. I guess who who's playing the, the, the two guard right now uh, for the Grizzlies? This is Tony uh, Allen. Old man Tony Allen? Is it, or does he play the three? Oh, wow. Oh, that's, you guys, that's rough. You guys did, know not do, did not do your homework is what you're telling me. You, did not <laughs> you guys did not do your homework. Man. Man. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for – I'm the host, right? I'm here for the, uh, the personality. Um, uh, not necessarily oh. not necessarily okay. the, the content. That's your guys' job. Um, right now, we already, I, we already know. I mean, Evan Evan refuses to give us any hot takes. No, it's so. it's Tony Allen. Yeah, Tony, I I was confirmed. Chandler that. Parsons is playing the four. Man, that, Chandler Parsons. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's. I did uh, my homework. I was right. So, <laughs> has Chandler? All right, I'm gonna I'm no, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep uh, inquiring. Then has Chandler Parsons been any good? Right, Chandler Parsons has been one of like the worst free agent signings so far from the off season. Is he's been absolutely awful. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. The last game, we'll see. The last game he said it was a DNP CD uh, against Minnesota. So, uh, well, seeing, he's shooting. Seeing, he's shooting 35 percent from the just, field you're right missing, now. So, you're just look at look at, look at this mis- misleading. You know what? That's weird though. Is Marcus Allen didn't play either against uh, against Minnesota? But so maybe I'm looking at an old game. Anyways, um, that's I mean that's what's up, upcoming is the the Grizzlies in, and I think I think. So if Tony Allen's at the two, you can't really put Jameer Nelson uh, on Tony Allen. The size difference alone would uh, would kill him there. I mean, they've got a lot of winnable games on the horizon, right? They've got they've got two games uh, like we were kind of talking about. They got two games on the road here against Milwaukee and Chicago, and then they've got a pretty pretty long stretch of home games. Um, how important is this game, Evan? Do they is it a kind of a game? I mean, they 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 haven't looked good, right? Granted, they get, they beat the Nets, but who doesn't? Um, they haven't looked good in the past the past few games now is this a is this a game they need to kind of to not only win but, but get the style points with it to kind of regain some confidence I think I mean we're definitely entering the, entering the part of the season here where every game becomes like a must win game especially with the, the playoff race so close I actually don't think this game is a must win out of them I was looking at the other teams that are playing today and tomorrow uh, the Pelicans and the Mavericks play each other today, so one of those teams is going to go down in the loss column. Portland plays Toronto tomorrow, uh, today, I think, or tomorrow. So there's a good chance Portland will lose a game. The Pelicans play again tomorrow against the Thunder. Could be another loss. So I don't think, I mean, if, if Denver wins, it'll be a big win. It'll boost the confidence and whatnot. But if they lose, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't, don't really see anyone else uh, surpassing them in the standings in the next few days. Yeah, and it's true, and you know, it's um, the Grizzlies are kind of a team too. If you're going to drop a game against, I mean, they're they're not catching the Grizzlies, uh, so they're, right. they're, there's no there's no like tiebreaker implications there. Um, I will say this, and, and Ryan, I'll get your thoughts on this uh, here as we as we wrap up. Uh, like I said, so they after the uh, after the two game road road trip, they they have seven of their next eight uh, at at home. A lot of them winnable. I mean, they've got they've got some Sac- they got Sacramento in there, I believe, twice. Uh, they, I think they got the Lakers as well. Um, right. It's it's a real good stretch for them. Do they make or break their chances for the playoffs 
during that home stretch. Absolutely, because if you look after that, they've got a they've got a five game road stretch, and if you I'll just count it up right here. You got thirteen out of the last thirteen games. They have nine of them are on the road, so that's that's a lot. That is a huge stretch of games to wrap up the season where the Nuggets could easily go four and nine or five and eight, and uh, they could definitely leave the door open for some of these teams trying to creep back into the picture. So you have to set your up. You you have to set yourself up for success. This team has to go over this next over that eight game stretch where you've got seven out of eight at home. You have to go at least five and three, maybe even six and two. If you want to make sure to keep your hopes high. Let's, let's run through it real quick. All right. So they've got the Hornets who are actually, I mean, they had a great start to the season, but they've been a pretty much a complete mess lately. Uh, the Kings, who I think, you know, they, they, they beat the Nuggets uh, just recently, but they I think they were riding high. Um, still haven't won they, against them. Still haven't won against them, but that there's, that's a home game uh, against, against the it. Kings. Yeah, that's right. That's one you got to get. Uh, the Wizards are good. The Wizards, they, they then they go back-to-back against a couple of East Coast teams, the Wizards and the, and the Celtics. Uh, those are two quality teams. But, again, you're at home. Um, so you have that. You had that goal for you. You get the one road game against the Kings, and then you wrap up, wrap up a little tough. You get the Lakers at home. That's a must-win. Uh, that's a that's a national TV game as well. And then then you finish with two tough games against the Clippers and the Rockets to finish out that home stand. So I think I mean if I'm just going over it real quick, you I mean four and four is is bare minimum what you have to do. Uh, but you're right. I think Ryan. I think you got to steal. You know maybe you steal that Clippers game. Maybe you steal one or both of the the Wizards and Celtics games, um, Evan. I guess your thoughts as well. How how do you think? Not only I guess we obviously probably think it's pretty crucial that this this homestand that's upcoming. Um, do you think, given that that uh, let's see, they've got you know they've got four games against teams, pretty much playoffs teams, and four games against teams who aren't. Do you think they are going to play well enough uh, to seize that eight seed during that stretch? Ooh, you want a hot take? I do. I'm I, right here. Uh, oh no! I'm gonna get one so. out of you. All right, Evan. Think... Evan says there is a uh, zero playoffs. His column, you'll find it uh, Monday. Evan <laughs> oh. Fiala says Nuggets should tank rest of season, and they have no shot at the playoffs. Not not quite what I'm saying, but from <laughs> based on what I've seen so far this season, you know, two thirds of the season through. Um, they haven't been consistent enough to go on a big streak like that. They either win, lose, win, lose, or lose, lose three in a row, win one, lose two. It's been point, that same you know? pattern all season. So I, don't, I mean, I want to say, yeah, they'll go out and the win, win accounts and make the playoffs and you know steal a game against Golden State and ride off into the sunset next year and whatnot. But they haven't done anything to to show me that that they're capable of doing that. They have all the talent in the world on the roster, but for some reason it just hasn't clicked all the way yet. So I don't know. I'm, I don't want. I don't, I don't want to get my hopes too up, too high up for that. Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. It's funny um, because you're right. Just as, as as easily we want to say, okay, well they got four games against teams who are who aren't doing so good, uh, and they got four games against playoff teams. Can they get five and five and three or six and two? They, they could just as easily drop that game in Sacramento. They could easily drop that that national TV game against the Lakers. They've done it before. 
Right. I mean, they 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 could lose to the Hornets um, next weekend. It's there's nothing. There's no game you can take uh, take for granted with these guys. Um, it's I think it's going to be tight. You know, they're they're it's going to be down to like the last week or so. Uh, that that game against the Pelicans, their their third to last game of the season, uh, is their their final home game, and it's against the Pelicans. Um, that one that one looms large. They've got the second to last game against the season is is the Blazers. That I think those games will be important. I think they will they'll be uh, relevant and they'll be basically deciding uh, that eighth seed. Ryan, what about you, man? Do you think they are the Nuggets gonna? You think they're gonna be able to pull through uh, this stretch and put them set themselves up for the playoffs? Uh, I do eventually think that they will. I think that over that uh, over that final stretch of thirteen games, it's going to obviously it's going to be difficult. Uh, you've got thirteen games and a lot of them against really solid teams. I mean, just listen to the teams that are in that stretch. You've got the Rockets, the Cavaliers, you've got the Pelicans three times. We don't know what they're going to look like, but you've got the Rockets again. You've got the Thunder, and you've got at Dallas, and you've got at the Thunder. So, it's uh, depending on where OKC is going, they could be competing for uh, to not play against a team like the San Antonio Spurs, and so they're going to be pretty motivated to not do that. So, uh I, it's it's going to be hard. This next eight game or not eight game stretch, but this next uh, this next eleven game stretch, they need to go seven and four for me to really say, hey, seven four, we we are legit. We are here to stay, uh, and that involves you have to go two out of three over the next three. Uh, you have to steal one against either the Wizards or the Celtics, and you've got to steal one against either the Clippers or the Rockets. And uh, that's hard. That's going to be hard to do. And then you've got a one game of wiggle room there. So if you don't do all of those things, and you still go seven and four. But, right, uh, right, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, that's the other, like we were saying, the other thing you bring up is that then you also got to take care of business. Um, and <laughs> it's, all, it's, never, it's never a foregone conclusion, right? Right. All right, man. So, um, yeah, we we got a good we got a good long one here uh, on the on the pickaxe. A little bit longer than last week, but that's all right. Good conversation, <laughs> guys. Um, as always. So again, uh, I, we'll, as it, uh, both these guys will be having some columns go up this week. Evan, you always do us our, our news and notes, uh, which is a great column on Mondays. I always I always like that. It's good good to, good stuff. Get to a lot of content there. A lot of great writers. That you, that you go out and seek and then of course Ryan who uh, is going to give me all the credit when he when his stat of the week is the number one for the one shot Nikola Jokic had <laughs> that uh, Hope, hopefully a more, a more fun stack comes up over the next few days there you go exactly maybe we'll shoot for two uh, that's what you <laughs> I got I got miles of content for you man um, oh my gosh alright but yeah so check out the stat of the week comes out on Tuesdays every week it's always a good um, always interesting read to to kind of do a little stats dive on, on I, mean, I thought the trade deadline when you did just just last week was great um, okay guys thanks for listening uh, as always check us out on denverstiffs.com um, check us out on uh, Twitter Instagram uh, Instagram is the Denver Stiffs so at the T-H-E Denver Stiffs uh, Ryan, Evan man appreciate you guys being on absolutely man thank you for having us on yeah man 
All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill-up. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon.